we're finishing our series called The Endless Grind. It's been, a, honestly, a somewhat difficult series. I, I picked it because I thought it'd be easy. I wrote a Bible study on this a number of years ago, and so I already had the content. And I was like, well, we'll do an easy series before we jump into faith deconstruction, which I'm expecting to be hard. Uh, turns out this was hard as well, so we're doing two hard series after another. So my apologies to you all and to myself. But uh, we've talked about a number of hard topics because Ecclesiastes is full of them. We didn't even get all the way through Ecclesiastes. We're not going to. Um, We're going to talk about today how everything happens in a season. Well, our season of Ecclesiastes is over. Praise the Lord. (laughs) And Ecclesiastes can be treated as this. Ecclesiastes says there's a season for everything. There's a season for Ecclesiastes, and there's a season for not Ecclesiastes. That's one way to understand Ecclesiastes. And I think the important thing is, is that we do take time to have it for a season. Here's some of the things we talked about. We talked about why work is frustrating. And it's frustrating because we put a lot of energy into something, and sometimes it never changes. You ever worked really hard at something and it didn't produce the results you wanted? In fact, last week we talked about this beautiful little poem and it says how the, the, the race isn't won by the swift or, or that the food isn't provided to the, to the wealthy. It is like all of these conceptions, what we think we should be successful at, it doesn't always work out. You, you can be the fastest person and still lose the race for a variety of reasons. We also talked about how nothing lasts. How you can invest your whole life into something. And Ecclesiastes says you put your whole life into something. You build this whole business, family, whatever. And then you pass it off to some idiot. That's what he says. And if you've watched any story about inheritance or passing, you know, passing the baton from one family member to another or a kingdom to another, I mean, this is a trope in literature. It usually doesn't work out well. And the person has to figure out how to do it and all that sort of stuff. So we invest and we don't even know what's going to happen with what we invest in. We also talked about one another frustration with work, corruption, corruption and bureaucracy. I mean, there's a beautiful verse where it says, hey, don't be surprised when there's poor or oppressed by somebody because there's somebody over them, and over them there's somebody else, and over them there's somebody else, and the corruption goes all the way to the king. The king even benefits from the profit made in the lands. That's what Ecclesiastes says. So don't be surprised. There's, there's layers of bureaucracy. It makes life really complicated and frustrating. Now, if you're not frustrated because of bureaucracy or what politicians or people in charge can do, then you're not paying attention to the world. So Ecclesiastes says, don't be surprised. That's one of the things that makes life frustrating. And then last week, we did talk about how no amount of effort and talent is going to guarantee you success. So today, we're going to look at one more passage in Ecclesiastes, one of the more popular passages in Ecclesiastes, one of the more famous ones. And it's talking about how um, uh, life happens in seasons. It's a beautiful poem, so I thought, since you all do such a great job in responsive reading, that we would read it as such. So it's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting with verse 1. And we're going to put the words on the screen. And if you all would be willing to read with me, you can read the second line or the line that's in bold uh, as we read our passage together. So here it is. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under. A time to be born, a time to plant, a time to kill, a time to tear down, a time to weep, a time to mourn, a time to scatter stones, a time to embrace, a time to search. A time to keep, a time to tear, a time to be silent, a 
time to love, a time for war. I need to pause for a second. I'm going to read this again. Or I fear that you're so focused on reading and use and you might have missed it. I want, to, I want to ask the question, though, and you can shout it out, and I'll pull up the online chat. If anyone's online, we can, we can hear your thoughts as well. But is there one of these that stands out to you? When you think about your life and what's going on in your life, is there one that you said, you know what, if I was to identify a season, this word, I don't know, you don't even have to understand why, but this one just it resonated with you for some reason. One of these seasons of life that we experience. Um, here's, here's what they are. Just listen to them with that question in mind. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the, sun, uh, under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What these stood out to you? Shout it out in the room. Let's hear it. Build. Throw away. Throw away. Heal. Be silent versus speaking, yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. So someone was someone was gonna shout out silent, but they thought they'd practice it first. Anyone anyone else? What is it? Embrace. I did this uh, lesson, I did this practice before uh, this morning, actually, and the two that stood out to me was silence. I'm, I'm, I'm tired, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm talking too much, and life is chaotic, and I could just use for some silence. I just feel like there's a need for silence. The other one, though, which contradicts this one a little bit, is uh, a time for war. And I'm not even pro-war. I'm, I'm like an aspiring pacifist. And... Uh, uh, but there's, there's a fight. I don't know, there's a fight in me that's just frustrated and wants to try to, you know, I want to change the world, and it usually requires a struggle. That's kind of where I'm at. The one that stood out to me as I was reading it was mostly funny. I, uh, some friends in a previous church hated hugs, and they were willing to admit it. And I just kept thinking, you know, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And I think for the introverts in the room that would prefer not to be touched, um, that's a pretty good... Uh, a good little verse, and maybe that could be your memory verse. Um, we're going to talk about this passage in a unique way today. Um, uh, I'm going to, in just a moment, invite my wife, Alyssa, who's also a pastor in the United Methodist Church, up. Over the last five years, uh, we planted Central City Church together, and this has been an interesting series of seasons. We've crammed an entire lifetime of seasons into five years. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, we've worked harder the last five years than any other season of our life, in my life. Uh, we've led through uh, racial protests, faith deconstruction, Trump's presidency, the overturn of Roe versus Wade. I mean, it's just been a hard couple of years for everybody, and we were planting a church in the midst of that. And we've been wrestling and questioning our relationship. Um, over the last five years, Alyssa planted a church 
closed the church, uh, interimed at two churches, and is now launching another church. So, I mean, you just, that's a five-year resume that you don't normally see. So, each one of those is its own season. There's a season to plant, and there's a season to uproot, which uproot might be a better term than, uh, than die when it comes to closing churches. It's just, we're uprooting you. So, but uh, uh, we've gone through personally seasons of hating each other. Um, it's no surprise to people who've been around for a while that we were uh, pretty close to divorce a couple of times, um, to seasons of loving each other again, eventually finding a way to love each other and understand each other to a place where I think we're in a pretty, uh, I mean, I want to speak for both of us, a pretty healthy place. She can, she can speak for herself. And uh, we've done this all pretty openly. I mean, it's part of our belief of what it means to be a part of a community. Not with everybody. There's people we don't talk to this about because we don't trust them. But generally speaking, we, uh, if we can't trust our church, then we don't want to be a part of the church. In fact, if we can't trust the church, then it's not the church. That's just our philosophy. That's why we planted a church, by the way, because other historic congregations, why pastor someone you can't trust, Right? So today we're going to talk about this work-life balance as it relates to this final week of the endless grind, which it feels like we've been on an endless grind, and eventually we're going to have to pause, which, speaking of August, vacation. That's what we're working towards. All right, so Alyssa, if you want to come on up, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat. We've never done this before, by the way. So we were telling somebody, I won't say who, and they, they said, well, uh, I hope it ends well. Us too. <laughs> Yeah, that right there. All right. Alyssa Graves. Mike's not on yet. Oh, there. Nope. Yeah, there. Well, um, so like I said, over the past five years, um, so I'm going to ask Alyssa questions. I might chime in and share my thoughts, and then she, you know, like we can figure that out. But generally speaking, I'm going to let her share some of her thoughts of the last five years and how do we experience different seasons, uh, especially as it relates to all of the frustrations that we've looked at. Because we've talked about, there's a lot of things that can frustrate, ones that we didn't even get into. But Ecclesiastes talks about them and life talks about them. So how can we, how can we wrestle with that? So um, over the past five years, we've experienced a lot of seasons uh, from the list, uh, the question we asked the congregation, out of that list of Ecclesiastes 3, which one, uh, which one stands out to you as you reflect on the past five years? Um, can I see that list again? Yeah. Because one did stand out, but... Um... I think that the... Those, those are not... That's not what I was seeing in my head. Um, Different translation. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the, the, the thought that I was going through was embrace the embracing one um, and not embracing. I am, have started a lot in the last couple of years, which was, which a, lot was a lot of embracing. embracing. Um, and I think I'm ready to let it all go because I'm tired. But um, so that's you know, embracing the season that I'm in, but also uh, two years ago in December 2020, when I stepped down my, and then when I stepped down from Central City and was embarking, was embarking on, a on a new season, season I, told I told God, God right, right, you know, you know was having this conversation, conversation with God, with God and, and I had never, I had never really, really done, done anything, anything um, um, 
Like I was like always, I was always, I was always, always looking, looking at how people, people were, were, were looking at me. And so I would do things that I thought I needed to do because people were watching me and not, and so I was always afraid to like step down from something or stop doing something um, because I had to push through because that's what um, I was supposed to do. And in December, 2020, I was like, God, I'm gonna do what I think is the next step. But if you ever tell me to not do that anymore, no matter where I am in the process, then I'll just like leave that. So that's like, I embraced a lot of stuff, um, but then also embracing that and then letting go. I don't know if any of that made sense. That's good. Yeah, for, for those who weren't with us on the journey, um, I mentioned we planted the church together and there were a lot of factors that led to our working relationship crumbling, but also our marriage. And um, so ultimately, it was a very difficult season for both of us, um, very painful. Um, but Alyssa ended up stepping down, and uh, we probably won't get into too much of that, but um, that's kind of, and then now it's been on her own, uh, own journey. So from a positive place, when you, when, you, um, when you look back on Central City and helping launch it and being one of the pastors, what are some of your favorite memories of that season? Um, if you scroll through our Instagram feed, you'll see all of my favorite. I didn't take any of those pictures, but I've scrolled. Central City's Instagram. Feed. Central City's Instagram feed. Um, I have scrolled through a couple times in the last six months, and like all of that stuff just brings me to tears um, in a good way. Like just thinking about our our launch Sunday, there's a picture on there of Finn, one year old Finn, like throwing his hands up, like celebration. I don't know what he was doing, but. Um, so, like, launch Sunday was was good. Like, all of our favorite people being in the same room. Like, we didn't know they were our favorite people then because um, we didn't know them. But, you know, they became our favorite people. Um, small groups. I was in a small group in Grandview. I don't think anyone in this room was in that small group. Um, but uh, someone teaching downstairs and kids, she, it was at her house. Um, that was just, like, the best time. We were didn't know what we were doing new people all together, like not just new people in a small group, but new people in a new church. Um, uh, Little Bottoms was uh, every Thursday night for for two years, um, was just the best thing ever. Um, people would ask me like, when we are gonna have worship at that building, and I'm like, we do, every Thursday night we worship and we hand out diapers and um, we get to love on people and we get to be loved. Um, speaking of our marriage, like one of the best things about this community in the last and leading over the last three years was, you know, like we we've. I would tell like a visitor. This was probably oversharing, but I would tell a visitor that I was sitting down with for coffee, like that we were struggling with our marriage. <laughs> um, so most people still came back, um, but. Look, if they can't handle that, then it's probably not the right Like, place. we would preach about it on Sundays, so if they're uncomfortable having a one-on-one -on -one conversation about it, then, like, um, there are lots of churches in Columbus. But, um, yeah, but, like, everyone, and this is what I want for everyone. I know that, that we get it because we're up front, and we know everyone, mostly, or, like, everyone knows us, and so we feel a lot of love poured on us, and every single time I would share with someone that, like, our marriage is struggling, everyone would say, like, we don't need Central City. We need your marriage to be okay. Like, everyone would say that. They were like, we're a year in, and we're all working on this, and they're like, we don't need to do Central City anymore. Like, we'll all be fine. We need your marriage to be okay, 
And that was like the greatest thing ever. Um, and, and so we get that because we're up front and we know each other, we know people and we're meeting with people one-on-one, but that's what I hope for, for every single person that's a part of our community is like, you know, we will do everything we can to make sure that you are okay as a person, um, no matter what else has to fall apart. Um, we need to make sure that you guys are healthy, so. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's if, if you wonder why, you know, one, one story that's really formative to why Central City is small and healthy, and those are two good things, is because our leadership during our struggles in our marriage during that season was very often like, yeah, they, more than one person said, look, I mean, uh, I remember one guy in particular was like, we can, most of us can find another church to go to. If this is going to ruin your marriage, it's not worth it. And that's such a weird... That's, that's putting people above institution. And when you, when, you know, a little preacher moment, one of the great problems with the American church is we tend to put institution above people, okay? And we want to preserve the institution at, at whatever cost it has on individuals. But people in our community, the people in our leadership at least, are of a spiritual maturity that I've uh, just privileged to learn from, where it's like, no, people are more important than institutions. Now, thankfully, we were able to do both. And so that's that's good news. Well, I was going to say probably the, the to one do, thing that held us bo- together was Central City. So, <laughs> if Central City would have ceased to exist, we probably wouldn't exist either because neither of us wanted to not be a part of this community. And so we fought for four years yeah. in our marriage because this was so good, and also kept us together. And without it, we probably wouldn't have been together. You know, there's this sense that. I've heard this illustration where people say, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't have the words to pray, and so someone else prays for me. Um, or I don't have, I, I don't feel like singing, so someone else sings for me. Well, I mean, as I was thinking about this conversation, when you go through, what we experienced through a very difficult season was um, when we couldn't hold our marriage together, other people were helping hold our marriage together. And that's when we talk about going through difficult seasons, and everyone's difficult season is going to be different, but you will go through difficult seasons. I mean, you, we need each other, and we're a little spoiled, but we, like she said, we want to make sure everyone has this kind of community. So when we offer Bible classes in small groups, I mean, our goal is to help you connect with people who can be that kind of support. So we talked a little bit about this. Anything else you'd add in regards to what, what made the church planning? So the question is what made this season difficult, which is funny because the answer is probably me, but... Without saying that, what made the, the church planning season difficult? You can say me too. Yeah, no, well, I mean, when we got married, I wanted, uh, I, I wanted to be married to someone who we could be partners in ministry. So um, we were for a season, and it was good. And I would say we kind of still are now. Now we're that we got it. it, we're back at it. Um, but, you in know, a different way. The, the most difficult thing about... Um, about planting a church, and this, I knew this going into it, because we did a lot of, like, we read a lot of books, and listened to podcasts, and, um, and then we experienced it, and it didn't make it any easier that we knew it, but that, like, you know, building community, and meeting new people, and forming relationships, there's always the risk that people aren't going to stick around, and so, like, obviously, like, we've met hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people over the last five years. And um, there, you know, there's maybe 50 people, including people online in this room right now, like so many people that we invested in and not like, I'm, I'm glad that they 
came into our lives, and some of those are like are still good relationships, even though they're not here. Um, but just like meeting so many people and not knowing if people were going to stick around or like if if we should keep going or like are they as invested as we are or are they going to leave and is it going to be on good terms or bad terms? And like that was so hard. And I am like so relational. That is like everything in me. I can't do anything unless it's with or for people. Like that was the hardest thing about, that is the hardest thing about church planting um, was just all the people that, that kind of moved on. And then I was sad they moved on. Um, and now I'm, you know, going into that season again and just trying to, reiterate that with a a group that I'm working with right now is like the people that we start with aren't always going to be the people who are here six months from now or from now or five years from now and it's hard um but you know grateful to be in relationship with people while they're here but yeah it's really hard to see people go and um it's it's hard to see people you love move on and it's a different kind of hard to see people leave on bad terms. Um, you know, we've had people leave for different reasons. LGBTQ, inclusion, talking about Black Lives Matter, you know, just all the classic trigger stuff, which we talk about, you know, really openly here. And um, some people just opt out, and they're like, this isn't for me. And I'm like, that, that's a respectful leave. And other people, not so much recently, because we've kind of... Um, We've settled into our identity a little bit better, but when you get started, you don't really know who you are. There was some violent departures. Um, I was called the devil Probably once. Oh. There was a, I mean, a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There was, we won't have to get into it, but it is difficult. No, well, it's hard when people leave and you, like, so, sometimes you can, when, when people start coming, like, I can, I can tell, I'm like, this isn't going to be the right fit for them. <laughs> Like, you know, this isn't necessarily, everyone is welcome here, but I know that they're not going to find what they need in their life right now here. And that's really hard to, to like, keep the relationship knowing that this might not be the right fit um, and still do that. So that was some of the, like, harder leaves was, like, because of because of that tension, mm-hmm. others were like people just left, and it was like, okay, I guess we'll never see you again. Um, you know, post COVID, there's no more rules. You know, like nothing makes sense anymore. So now, I if I meet with a visitor, I'll usually say like, hey, our church isn't for everyone. You know, and I just like start there. Oh, well, um, you it's didn't just start there before that? No, not really. Oh. I mean, it's easier. I'll be like, we're, we're we're real weird and quirky, and then they'll ask why, and then I'll get into it a little bit. And I'm like, so I mean. I'm just like, I'm just trying, I, I want everyone to feel welcome. I'm just like, but I also want people to feel welcome to like, you know, like, hey, no hard feelings. If, and I'm fine with people coming for a season. It's what they need and then moving on. I mean, um, if, if everyone did that, obviously we wouldn't be around anymore. Um, so I'm really grateful for the stakeholders. But um, yeah. Uh, so you close the church for context. Our, church, our Little Bottoms Free Store meets in a, a church. It started sharing space with an existing United Methodist church that was very small and struggling. And through our collaboration with that congregation and their pastor, Alyssa became their pastor. And um, over the next six months, she closed it. This was, uh, what, two years ago? 2019. 2019. And so talk about that. What's that like, um, uh, 
you know, that has to be difficult. Share a little bit, especially as we talk about seasons, you know, like what are your thoughts in regards to seasons of life, seasons of church, and what is it like to be there for a church that's closing, which you're now indirectly a part of two more churches. That are, Alyssa loves closing churches, by the way, so if you ever need one closed, she's, you know one, she's very you. good at it. Um, <laughs> that was the hardest season of my life. Um, uh, July 2019 to December 2019, or, yeah, um, I remember I preached uh, the sun. I don't know why I would have preached the Sunday after Christmas. It must have been like the first Sunday in January, but we were at the temporary house, so that's how I remember it. Um, but I preached that next, like the Sunday after this church had closed, and I just remember being like, oh, that was the worst thing ever. And that was what my sermon was about. Um, that season of life was so hard. I was still, you know, there was so much life at Little Bottoms on Thursday nights and throughout the week. And, um, and walking into to that same building on Sunday mornings with maybe 12 people in the room. And five of them were 95, like Five of the 12 were 95 years old. Um, They were still trying to do children's ministry in a really difficult neighbor with really old volunteers who didn't know how to handle the kids in our neighborhood. Um, So there were like a couple really scary, dangerous mornings. Um, And that was sad. The hardest part about it was knowing that there was so much life that could be there and that wasn't, and that people were holding on to something that was dead um, and not making room for new life to come through. I think that was the hardest part. So I was trying to do both at the same time. So I was trying to like gather people to start a new church while I was closing an existing church. And um, because, yeah, there's so much good stuff there. Um, again, like relationships were really hard. People not liking me and knowing that I was there to close them, even though no one ever said that. Like when I got there, they knew that that's what was going to happen to them because they knew they were dead. Um, so it shouldn't have been surprising. But that was probably the hardest thing was the relationships in that season. Uh, so much, uh, not animosity, but just uh probably sadness and grief, but directed towards me um, and trying to navigate all of that. And like he said, there are no rules since COVID. I, there, there were never any rules. Like people ah. make stuff up and then once the rules benefit them, they say that there are rules, but they don't follow the rules the other oh, times. And that is the most frustrating thing. So I'm going to say that about our denomination. Like there, there weren't any rules, but then when they wanted me to follow rules, they told me that there were rules. But the other times when I was asking what the rules are, no one could tell me. So that was really hard trying to navigate all of that while all these people are mad at me. So we're going like back and forth on things, mostly because people won't tell me what the rules are. <laughs> so I could just keep going. I'm in that right now too. So that's why I'm like, a little bit more animated about this because I'm like, no one knows what the rules are. Oh, wait, there are rules and you should have done it this way. And I'm like, well, I already did this. Now what do I do? <laughs> you know, I mean, when you think about seasons of life and seasons of church, seasons of life, what, what, what I hear is, you know, I'm going to interpret some stuff I was just going to say, I'm glad Joe is here because he's interpreting all of my random thoughts. No, 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 no. This is, I'm going to interpret your 
your perspective on church closing, because Alyssa will talk a big game on church closing. She loves <laughs> closed churches. You get, her, you get her off her guard, she'll go pre- preach about it. And for good reason, because you know, there's a time to, to be born and there's a time to die. I mean, it's just, that's the seasons of life. And when you're outside looking in, you can, at, at, at churches or people, you can be like, you know what, there's just seasons. And this is something important to remember. When you're going through a difficult season, it might not be because you did anything to deserve that. There are seasons of life, and the more, if we move to a place of accepting that, we can, we can then wrestle with it, you know, it's appropriate to mourn, it's appropriate to grieve, but we have to be willing to name that I'm just in this particular season. When we're in the midst of COVID, and or, and, or still in the midst of coming out of COVID, you could be upset about that. And I used to people who were upset about it. They were upset for two years. I'm like, friends, I'm sorry. This is just the season we're in. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, we just, you have to come to a place of willing to accept that life happens in seasons. You can say that from the outside. Once you're in the season, though, it's really hard to see that. Yeah. So you, I can sit up here and say, hey, you know, uh, there's a benefit to one church closing so a new one can begin. There's a benefit for one person stepping out so a new person can step in. There, you know, there's, these seasons are important, but when you're that church or that person, yeah. it's extremely painful, and it's extremely disorienting, and there's a lot of grief. And, and that's a sermon illustration for our time. You, know, you could look at somebody who's experiencing a difficult season and have like this bird's eye view and say, oh, you're just going through a season. Um, and saying that might not be the most beneficial thing to say to them, because when you're in the midst of that season, uh, it's a different experience entirely. It's hard to see the bird's eye view. So I just wanted to, I hear that in some of your talk, like yeah. strategically, you know, even just around closing churches is a metaphor for difficult conversations and difficult life transitions. You can say, well, that, that just needs to happen, but then when you're in the midst of it, it's also recognizing that these are humans who are deeply hurt in the process. Yeah. So it's a yeah. metaphor for a lot of different things. I hope you can see that. Yeah, well, and I, so a couple of thoughts on that. Um, like Joe said, I'm in the midst of like uh, on the periphery of a couple churches closing, and I'm starting something new with some people that want to come along from those churches that are closing. And that's not how these churches are talking about. They're not saying that they're closing. They're just saying that they're merging. Um, but in reality, like these churches are closing, and there is like a lot of grief there that I don't think is being named because there's this merging conversation. Um, But I was walking through one of the buildings this last week with someone, and it did overwhelm me because they have this whole story, this whole life, you know, 50 years of this church, and that's a young church. Like, that's most of the churches that we close are like 100, 200 years old. But this is, you know, a 50-year-old church, and they had so much in their history and walking through with someone who had been through, you know, the last eight, 10 years with them, um, it, it almost overwhelms you when you're in that space because you're like, oh, I, I, I wouldn't wish this on anyone to have to, to, have to go through this. Um, it, but there, I think one of the things that's important about this passage, this Ecclesiastes 3 passage, is that when we can ad- admit that there are seasons it doesn't make the season not happen, like it doesn't make the hard seasons not happen, but it helps us get through those seasons in a way that we know that this isn't the end. Um, gosh, so many, so many thoughts. But, yeah, so many thoughts. But like, like this isn't the end um, just because this is a, an uprooting. I think that was a really good language. Like this isn't the end because there's uprooting because things have to be uprooted or pruned before new life can come out of that. Um, 
But with, with churches, you know, if we can admit that there are different seasons of churches, then we would be able to show up differently in those seasons. If we can admit that there is a season of a church dying, then I think we, we would be able to walk through that, that dying and death a lot more healthy than we do. Whereas right now it's like, well, six months, you're done. Instead of like allowing them a couple years, knowing that this is coming, to be able to process that, work through that, and plan for the next iteration or the, the future for that space. So even in our own lives, like in our marriage, I was sitting somewhere, I was, I was sitting with someone that I had married um, in 2019. I'm going to try not to cry about this, but um, we had a really, really, really hard four or five years, and we were so open about it. Um, like, we, we felt alone most of the time, but n- nothing happened in secret. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, everyone knew what was going on in our lives, and so in the moments, like, when it was really hard, we felt alone, because who do we call to, like, complain about our life, right? Like, everyone else has other shit going on in their lives, too, and so they can't handle ours. Um, so, you know, feeling so alone, but knowing that, like, someone reminded me a couple weeks ago, she was like, oh, I remember that day. I was talking about how good our marriage is now. And she was like, oh, I remember that one day, like, like you guys were done that day. And I called her um, and she brought it up, you know, because that just didn't feel like that long ago. So now I'm on this other side of, you know, our marriage being okay and like pushing through is not for everyone. Like there are times when the relationship isn't good. There's harm being done. We were so abusive to each other, like uh, emotionally abusive, like, just all of the stuff that you would say, this is wrong, a counselor would tell you to get out. Like, that was happening in our relationship, and that is not good. And people that have that happen in your relationship, like, you have to be open about that and tell someone and potentially not be there. I'm glad we pushed through. Most of that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Um, but I'm sitting with this person that I married a couple years ago, and she's, the last few months, the last few years, has been dealing with a lot of emotional and other kinds of abuse in her relationship, and she left, like, two months ago. She left her husband without telling anyone, and now we're sitting together, and I'm like, oh. you know, I wish I would have, like, asked how their marriage was, right? You know, I don't know if people are open about that, but I would just encourage you, like, whatever the hard season is in your life, like, don't do it in secret. Like, you might feel alone. You might, like, things might be hard. You might not want to burden someone else, but, like, don't, do, don't hide it because then you can't get through, like, if you hide it. And I don't know. Yeah. And I would say that, like, in any, any, any season, I think good seasons, I don't think we should hide them. I think we should be, even in COVID, like, it was really hard to be open about good things in COVID. So, like, a year into COVID, our marriage is finally good. <laughs> And so I'm like, life is amazing. And everyone else is like, the world is ending. And I'm like, no, but it's so good. So like even that kind of stuff, like I just think that we, you know, it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to feel whatever you're feeling, to experience whatever you're feeling. And the minute that you can like admit it, the the minute that you can name it, like you can just show up so much different in better for yourself and for those around you and give permission for other people around you to also, you know, feel those things or experience those things. And I can't stress that enough. I know like it's not normal and we don't want to do it, but it's like, it's just so good when you can 
do that even in really hard seasons or, or you know, good seasons? We, uh, we've run out of time. There's a lot more we could talk about. Um, we're going to maybe find a time where Alyssa can come up and share maybe before a sermon some week about the new church that she's starting. I'd love for you guys to hear about that. Um, when it comes to seasons in your life, especially the hard ones, um, the big thing that Alyssa wants you to hear, and, and I do as well, is you don't do it alone. There are seasons to life. That's what we read in Ecclesiastes. The, the frustrations of the teacher in Ecclesiastes don't have to happen all the time, but you will go through difficult seasons. And I want you to, and here's, here's my, my, my two thoughts on what it means to find people you can do life with. The first one is, uh, we live in a society where nobody's very good asking how your marriage is doing or how your life is doing. People, if you're waiting for that, you're going to wait too long. And I, once again, you can say that's not how it should be. Okay, fine, that's not how it should be. But I am telling you that it's generally that way. Now, you could change that and be that person, but generally people aren't, like I'm not even necessarily very good at it. There are people who are a little bit better at it than me. Actually, there are people who are a lot better at it than me. Um, but what we did and what I encourage you to do is we insisted on it. We were the ones calling, texting, asking to get coffee. And some of those people are in our room or in the church right now where I said, no, like, I need to talk to somebody, um, whether it was a professional or a friend or a board member or the SBR chair or whatever. Um, so I encourage you, you and, and it comes down to a very simple thing. You've got you to believe that you're worth their time. And I know a lot of us struggle with that. You don't want to waste someone's time, but you're worth it. And, and people will be glad. The other thing I say is, you know, some people are better at it than others. And I believe in spiritual gifts, and God equips us all in different ways. I'll be the first one to tell you it's not my spiritual gift. I've been around long enough that I will try my best to display empathy and listen, and uh, it is not something that comes naturally to me. So I'm just letting you know that as a pastor. But I know people in our church who not only are great at it, but they, they love it. Our children's pastor has come up here and shared once that she has a heart for sitting down with people and helping them heal. She was 2019. I went to her and I was done. <laughs> she saved my life that day. And she'll meet with you too. Our uh, new small group coordinator I know is, is a great person to chat with as well, Delaney. And there's other people in our church uh, who are great uh, people. And, and of course, I'm available as well. So just know whatever season you go through that there are people. The last thing I'm going to say as we bring to a close, it was a little bit of commentary that if this was a sermon, I would have focused on. When you read this poem, the commentary points out how it starts and how it ends. The band can, can go get ready. We'll, we'll, we're going to bring this to a close. Um, the commentary says it's got this really interesting bookend. If you read just the beginning and just the end, it says uh, there's a time to be born and a time for peace. And what we see in this poem that's filled with seasons of hard and difficult things, it starts with life and it ends with peace. And this is the story of scripture. And this is the story of what it means to be a person of faith. And if you would have told me when we were in the midst of a difficult season that there was hope for our marriage, um, I, I couldn't see it. And if you're in a difficult season, you might not be able to see it either. But one thing we do know through the grand experience of life is that um, this poem ends in peace, and that's, I think, God's goal in all of our lives, that you will experience difficult seasons, but they don't have to be the final thing. There is a, a quote that's attributed to um, John Lennon, but actually some Portuguese, Portuguese guy said it first. Uh, I did some research, and I'm going to butcher it, but it says, um, in the end, uh, everything will be good, and if it's not good, it's not the end yet. 
in the end, everything will be good. And if it's not good, then it's not the end yet. And at the heart of the Christian message, the reason why we call it good news is because of that. It might not be good all the time, but in the end, it will. Love will win. Any, any other closing thoughts? All right. Well, let's pray. God, we give you thanks. Uh, I give you thanks for Alyssa and the way in which uh, her words spoke to me and to each other for your scripture, for the wrestling of the teacher in Ecclesiastes. Help us to um, help us to, to be with one another whatever seasons we find ourselves in. In your name, amen. Please stand for our closing song.